Ask not what your country can do for you. There's a last time I'm going to be in the lead. The Giants won the pass. Lepina, oh, your little mouse, so won't you go away? One ringy-dingy. Hand off to Griffin, cracks the middle, gets the five. Touchdown, Ohio State. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning in to episode 24 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. We're going to do something a little different in this episode. I'm not only interested in the music itself, but I've always loved the more technical side of recordings as well. I mean, I did spend 16 years in radio. What equipment was used to record and playback music has always fascinated me. And I really dig the history of recording that is included inside the gatefold of this album that RCA Victor put out. So I'm going to read those notes in lieu of bios and some of the other things I normally talk about in an episode. Yes, we will learn about the little dog that stares into the old phonograph that you see on RCA Victor Records. By the way, pretty much every single song, if not artist, was mentioned in a MASH episode. I thought I would get that out of the way. Now, since this is the first of two parts, we will break up this album and these liner notes into two separate episodes. So, get ready to hear some great music while we learn about the technology that recorded it and played it back in Volume 24, Music America Loves, Part 1.
And there is the immortal Enrico Caruso with Vesti la Juba from Pagliacci, composed by Ruggero Leoncavallo. It was recorded February 1st, 1904. That's 117 years ago. So I'd like to read the history of the RCA Victor Company and how it helped propel the recording industry. This two-record set of performances ranging from Caruso to Belafonte can truly be regarded as unique. The history-making performances in these grooves comprise a distinctive recorded document, a mirror of American musical life dating back to the beginning of the century. This collection is unique in another respect, for it represents a historical survey of RCA Victor and the development of recorded sound from the period of the acoustical process to the era of high fidelity. Glamour, high financial adventure, and daring do are elements of the story. But even more significant is the fact that the basic planning of the company stemmed from the marriage of art and science. The excellence of the ultimate product derives from the most fertile of unions. General David Sarnoff, chairman of the Board Radio Corporation of America, touched upon this theme. The union of art and science on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of Victor Records, he stated, science has a natural affinity with music. The phonograph is a perfect illustration of the strong relationship that exists between the arts and science. Music is a wonderland of the arts in which scientists find new challenges for invention. This is as true today as it was during the latter part of the 19th century when several determined pioneers became fascinated with the idea of reproducing the human voice on a talking machine. The machine became a reality in 1877 when Thomas Edison and his laboratory assistants built the first tinfoil cylinder phonograph. Later spurred by the rivalry of Dr. Alexander Bell, his brother Chichester, and Charles Sumner Tainter, who had developed a wax cylinder, Edison improved his product. He, too, constructed a wax cylinder and a machine for reproducing the sound recorded on the cylinder. Listeners used ear tubes to hear those early cylinders, for the volume was quite low. The reproducing equipment resembled a dictating machine. And now, another of those earliest recording stars.
And there is Paul Whiteman and his Ambassador Orchestra with Whispering, written by Vincent Rose and recorded on August 23rd, 1920. All right, let's talk about the album you are hearing on this episode. It's got various artists on it. 60 Years of Music America Loves Best. It's on the RCA Victor Red Seal label, number LM6074. It's a two-vinyl LP compilation gatefold. It was released in 1959. Its genre is jazz, pop, classical, folk, world and country, style, vocal, opera, romantic, swing, and instrumental. Now, we will be playing side one and side four, which is the first record. Remember sometimes those old record players had that you could put a stack on, you played one through two as they dropped down, one, two, three, four, and then you flipped them over and they played the other side. So that's why the numbering is like it is on, on this album. Discogs had no values listed for this album. It's never been sold on Discogs, although there were 60 members who claim it in their collections. On eBay, it ranged from $5 to $7. Amazon ranged from $3 to $12. Now, my dad's record is in fair condition. I haven't heard too much hissing on it so far, so I'll value my dad's record at $1.50. Now, back to music with Sergey and the gang.
And there is Sergei Rachmaninoff with Prelude in C-sharp minor, written by Sergei Rachmaninoff. That was recorded April 23rd, 1919. Okay, let's continue on with the great historical liner notes from this album. A new development destined to supersede the cylinder phonograph was the gramophone. This reproduced sound on flat discs, which were lateral cut in contrast to the vertical cut cylinders. The inventor, Emil Berliner, a German-born telephone expert, applied for his patent in 1887, ten years after Edison's tinfoil phonograph and one year later than the apparatus developed by Bell and Tainter. Berliner's system provided a master record from which duplicates could be obtained, in itself a great advance. Seeking to improve his device, Berliner took his manually operated machine to Elridge Johnson in Camden, New Jersey, mechanic and model maker. Johnson designed a spring motor to replace the hand-wound mechanism and was granted a contract to produce 200 such motors for the recently formed Berliner Gramophone Company. The meeting between Berliner and Johnson was a fateful one, for Johnson continuously improved Berliner's machine, ultimately salvaged the company, and reorganized it into the Victor Talking Machine Company. Johnson followed up his spring motor design with many others, a governor to ensure constant turntable speed, an improved sound box, an improved record using shellac instead of a hard rubber. Wow. Again, this really interests me. I hope it is interesting to you. Now, on to one of the most powerful voices I've ever heard singing, and singing an extremely powerful song.
in hand We'll find love's promised land There'll be no one but you for me Eternally If you Mario Lanza, Be My Love. Lyrics by Sammy Kahn and music by Nicholas Brodsky, and that was recorded in 1950. Now for this episode's interesting side note, and it's a note from the liner notes about that famous dog. The fetching fox terrier, listening to his master's voice, has been known to record buyers as a victor symbol for nearly 60 years. Little Nipper was painted by a London artist, Francis Barode, who sold the canvas to William Barry Owen, head of the Gramophone Company. Elridge Johnson, who in 1901 was to incorporate the Victor Talking Machine Company, was already supplying phonographs to the British concern. It was he who envisioned Little Nipper's potential appeal and acquired the American rights to the painting. Johnson began using the picture in his first advertisements and also put the picture on the new paper labels, which he introduced in 1900, thus launching what has become to be recognized as the world's best-known trademark. All right, let's hear a recording made over a hundred years after the song was written.
Arturo Toscanini and the NBC Symphony Orchestra with Lohengrin Prelude Act Three, composed by Richard Wagner. And that was recorded in 1954. I'll tell you what, I really had a tough time deciding which tunes to choose for this episode. Luckily, a couple will be featured on future episodes, so that helped. Uh, if you get a chance, take a listen to the rest of the music in this collection, and I'll play the second album in a future episode. Now let's finish up this episode's notes. In 1898, an American, William Barry Owens, armed with the permission to negotiate the European sale of Berliner's patent rights, gathered a group of British inventors and formed the Gramophone Company in London. Owen had turned the trick by demonstrating Johnson's improved gramophone, and to Johnson went the contract for the manufacture of the machines. In the United States, meanwhile, Berliner's company became enmeshed in litigation. Powerful enemies questioned the validity of the Berliner patents and Johnson's right to manufacture and sell the machines. On March 1, 1901, Johnson himself went before the Philadelphia courts to plead the case. Roland Gelat, author of The Fabulous Phonograph, states, His, Johnson's, enterprise was at stake, and he presented his case in his deliberate Yankee drawl with profound conviction. The injunction, halting manufacturing, was refused. Johnson reorganized the company, acquiring the Berliner patents to supplement his own. Gillette, again, the famous fabulous phonograph, adds, He decided to use a name all his, and he chose Victor. Victor Talking Machines and Victor Records. It was euphonious and evocative of success. The talking machine in America had come of age. Approximately one year later, the great tenor Enrico Caruso was recorded in Milan, Italy, using the Victor Master Disc method. Other operatic stars followed Caruso into the recording field, and in 1904, just two months after the tenor's Metropolitan Opera debut, Caruso became an exclusive Victor artist. The Red Seal era was now underway, an epic in which, through the years, raised the record industry to a new cultural level. Oh, I can hardly wait for the second part of this episode sometime in the next several months. Last up, tonight is a song I always looked forward to playing during those overnights at the Nostalgia Station.
spinning my dad's vinyl. The naughty lady of Shady Lane has hit the town like a bomb. The back fence gossip ain't been this good since Mabel ran off with Tom. Our town was peaceful and quiet before she came on the scene. The lady has started a riot, disturbing a suburban routine. The naughty lady of Shady Lane has the town in a whirl. The naughty lady of Shady Lane, the oh my oh what a girl. She carries on with her admirers galore She must be giving them quite a thrill The way they flock to her door She throws those come-hither glances At every Tom, Dick and Joe When offered some liquid refreshment The lady never, never says no Naughty lady of Shady Lane has the town in a whirl. The naughty lady of Shady Lane, be oh my oh what a girl. The things they're trying to pin on her won't hold much water, I'm sure. Sweet and pure She just needs someone to change her Then she'll be nice as can be If you're in the neighborhood, stranger You're welcome to drop in and see The naughty lady of Shady Lane So delightful to hold The naughty lady of Shady Lane So delectable Quite respectable And she's only Nine days old Yes, I threw in a bonus track Because I couldn't decide Which song to end this episode with uh, The Ames Brothers With a very cute the Naughty Lady of Shady Lane, written by Sid Tepper and Roy C. Bennett, that was recorded on September 8th, 1954. And before that was Perez Prado, Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White, composed by Louis Giulielmi, known by his nom de plume, Luigi, recorded in 1950. And I really appreciate you indulging the technical geek in me while we learned some interesting history. Thanks for tuning into Volume 24, Music America Loves Part 1, however you did. If you need any more information on this podcast, you can head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops with Volume 25, Pete Fountain, A High Society Father's Day. Go with the flow, my friends. Thank you.